Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well, and I hope everybody had a happy April Fool's Day. I don't really have an update on the moving situation or the housing situation. Uh, There has been one small development. Landlord has accepted an offer on the house, so it's under contract. That is a good thing, though, because that means the showings are at an end. Now, there may be somebody that still wants to look at the house just in case the deal falls through. But I believe for the most part, I don't have to deal with people coming into the house four and five times a day and just wandering around. Uh, Actually, the home inspector is supposed to be here in about an hour. I'm trying to get this recorded before he shows up. But for the most part, that insanity is over with and we can just focus on getting things organized and purging some stuff that we haven't used and getting things packed up. In fact, we've got a lot of stuff that's in boxes in the garage that have been in boxes in the garage since October of 2014. And when I think about the stuff in those boxes, I kind of think, you do we really need any of that crap? If it's been in a box for seven years, why are we hanging on to it? That's actually one of the best things about moving. Everything about it sucks, but it gives you an idea how much just junk you'll hang on to. And it lets you get rid of a bunch of useless crap. And if you do a yard sale, you can make a little bit of money on the side doing it. And that's stuff that you don't have to pack up. So it's not all bad. Uh, Like I say, 99% of it is just a gigantic pain in the butt. But there are some good things. But anyway, that's where we are on the housing front. We have not decided where we're going yet or even what areas we're going to try to target at this point. But one step's out of the way, although we really didn't have to do a lot for that step, but we do have one step out of the way. So it's like the old joke, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Just pick a place and get started. All right. Now, before we get into today's topic, there's a television commercial I want to talk about for just a minute. It is an Ikea commercial. I don't know how many people actually shop at Ikea. There's not a lot of those stores around, but they're They've got a big nationwide ad campaign going. I have been to an Ikea once. There's one outside of Philadelphia, and we were just killing time on a Saturday, and we wound up going just because we wanted to see what it was like. A lot of people talk about Ikea like it's Vatican City. It's supposed to be just this amazing place, and it was a nice store, but it's just a furniture store. I'm not sure why everybody is is so hyped up about Ikea but this particular commercial, I'm sure you've seen it. They're running the hell out of it right now. They're, it's a home where there's teddy bears, and the teddy bears are all like four foot tall and just like built like bodybuilders. And And the gist of the commercial is, is that they're sort of protecting the house, taking care of the family that lives there, you know, making sure nothing bad happens. It, 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 the point of the commercial is you know, home is supposed to be a relaxing, safe place. But the reason I'm talking about this commercial is it does something that you do not see in any commercials at all anymore. And you haven't seen this for years, actually. The commercial shows a single father bringing his daughter home. Now, I kind of get the feeling that it's sort of his his visitation. You know, it doesn't specifically say whether he's the full-time dad or if the daughter's just there for a visit. But the reason this is so remarkable is this commercial portrays the father as a competent engaged father and you just don't see that anymore when you see a father in a commercial and you have this has been true for like say probably 10 years or better the dad is always the buffoon he's the one that the mother is having to show how to do things 
you know, he's ruined something in the kitchen. He's ruined something around the house, out in the yard. He's done something wrong, and the mother comes in and shows him what he's doing wrong and how he's supposed to do it. And if he is shown with the children in any kind of context, he's either doing something just incredibly wasteful. You know, they're, they're sitting around, they're watching cartoons. He's feeding them too much sugar. And that's, that's probably the most positive light they'll show the father in. A lot of times they'll show him doing things that are just outright endangering the children. And that's if he's there at all. A lot of times the father just simply isn't there. So I'm not sure if Ikea is just not on board with the woke agenda. It may be that, you know, Ikea is Swedish, so they have a very different view of the gender roles. Maybe it's just that this is, to them, this is normal, but it's very out of place in our society. It's a shame that that's out of place in our society, but that is how the current culture has went. Sweden actually, and it's kind of interesting, the feminists don't talk about this, Sweden has for a very long time had a very egalitarian view of gender roles. You know, even back in the the 50s and 60s, women in Sweden were very free to pursue whatever career path they chose. There's no stigma attached to a woman going into any certain profession. It's not the old boys club like like everybody says we have over here. And an interesting thing happens in Sweden that is a much higher percentage of their female population chooses to be stay-at-home mothers which according to the feminists in this country that is that's a prison that's you know you're only choosing that because the patriarch has brainwashed you into thinking that's what you're supposed to do when given a choice with no pressure one way or the other most women will choose to be stay-at-home mothers that is biology winning out over ideology because for the two million years that anthropologists believe modern humans have been on this planet, that has been the gender role for females. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It simply is. You know, the men would protect the cave, go out hunting, you know, risk life and limb to, to kill that wildebeest and bring some meat back. And the women would stay at the cave and take care of the children. And we have turned that somehow into an indictment against the genders, but that is just simply the way it is. You see that in nature all the time. You know, a lot of time the mother birds will stay at and protect and take care of the chicks and the male birds will go out and catch bugs and bring them back to the nest to feed the family. It's not a good or bad thing. It's not sexist to say that that you know, the truth is not sexist. The truth simply is. And I don't know if Ikea has gotten any pushback from this commercial. I haven't heard anybody else mention it, but that just really stood out to me that they were portraying a good father taking care of his daughter. The sad statement in this is that that is unusual enough to warrant comment now. I don't know why they think that it's somehow good for our society to portray all men as either just completely absent or dangerously neglectful or complete morons that'll destroy anything they touch. But I don't think that the people that write those commercials where they make the dad look like a, a dangerously unhinged idiot, I don't think they're writing that from a rational part of their brain. I think it's coming from a very vindictive part of their brain. And they are either incapable of letting that or preventing that from coming out in their writing, or they're not aware that that's what's going on. Either way, it's not a good thing. Like I say, you cannot unite us by dividing us. Okay, but enough about the IKEA commercial. I didn't think that I would talk for six minutes about a thirty-minute, thirty-second commercial, but but here we are. Uh, the topic for today, since yesterday was April Fool's Day, I thought we would talk about the origins of the April Fool's holiday. 
most of the time when we're heading up to a holiday, everybody's pretty much aware of the origins of the holiday. I mean, obviously, everybody knows where Christmas comes from. Everybody knows the story of Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, Halloween. Of course, we learn Fourth of July. We learn about that in school. Obviously, my international listeners probably don't get taught that in school, but but maybe they do. I think the schools in the UK take a much more serious approach to teaching the children than the schools do here in America, where it's more about activity day and cookie parties than it is about actually teaching them any actual physical knowledge. But I was just thinking the other day and yesterday, particularly, I was thinking that I have never heard any reference to how that became a holiday. Now, it's not a official government holiday in this country, but but everybody celebrates April Fool's Day. And you Businesses try to put out press releases to fool people. People do a lot of stuff on April Fool's Day, but everybody talks about April Fool's Day. I have never heard how that got started or where it came from. And I did a little bit of a dive into April Fool's Day over the last couple of days, and I learned a few things. And one of the biggest things I learned is that we really don't know how that became such a tradition. Now, there are a lot of theories. The biggest one, you can tie almost everything around this holiday back to the spring solstice and the fact that every society in human history has had holidays based on the equinoxes and the solstices. April Fool's Day is no different. It's around the spring equinox. And it really just boils down to the fact that winter has ended. You're going into much warmer temperatures, much nicer conditions. And for most of human history, surviving the winter, that was actually an accomplishment. We don't think about it a whole lot now, but I've said on several occasions, winters for most of human history were just brutal. I mean, people died left and right. You didn't know who was going to be alive in the spring. So the people that made it through the winter and were still alive and were getting back to a point where they could start growing some vegetables and actually have enough food to eat and they weren't having to scrimp and try to stretch food and eat just enough to where they don't die of malnutrition, but they don't run out of food mid-February. That would have been a huge relief off of their shoulders. I'm sure everybody would be ready to do a little celebrating. You know, hey, we made it. It's it's over for another year. Let's get together and let's have a big party. And that seems to be the genesis of what would become April Fool's. What April Fool's grew out of that, I guess, would be a better way to put it. A lot of historians tie this back to ancient Roman festivals called hilarious. Now, that is where we get the the words hilarious or hilarity in the English language. In this context, it just simply meant a festival, something uh, celebratory, uh, not just a normal holiday celebrating the gods. This was more of a sort of a party atmosphere kind of celebration, if you will. But hilaria actually could refer to any type of celebration or party, but the hilaria is actually a reference to a specific holiday. Now, this celebration was called the Hilaria Matris Deum, which was the day after the equinox, or the first day that the daylight would last longer than the darkness. In this particular day, it was dedicated to the goddess Sibyl, which was the goddess, I'm sorry, the mother of the Roman gods. And part of the celebration was people would dress up in costumes, and it, it became tradition to sort of try to dress up as specific people in society. They would dress as magistrates or senators, and people took it very seriously. They would actually not just like a Halloween costume where people could tell who you were. They would sort of the goal was to try to like mimic that person. If you could convince somebody that you were that person, you were 
considered really, really skilled at getting your costume together. And that was people's goal was actually to fool people into thinking that they were somebody else. But like our current April Fool's Day celebrations, the Hilaria Matris Diem was it just had a very joyful, good-natured atmosphere to it. Everybody was happy. Everybody was just cutting loose a little bit. And again, you know, hey, we survived the winter. We didn't die of bubonic plague or rickets or scurvy, and we didn't get eaten by a pack of hungry wolves. Let's get out there and party. Some other historians point a little closer to our own time. Uh, In 1582, the country of France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Now, the Council of Trent had mandated this in 1563. There was no explanation why they waited 19 years to put this into effect. But the Gregorian calendar is what we go by. So New Year's is January the 1st. In the Julian calendar, April the 1st was the New Year's, the first day of the new year. Once they made that change, a lot of people did switch to the Gregorian calendar, but there were a lot of people in France that still went by the Julian calendar, which if, you know, if they if they changed it now, I'm 47, it, if they made it to where April the 1st was the first day of the new year again, I would still feel like January 1st is New Year's Day, and I would feel that way till the day I die. It's just, that's set in concrete at this point in my mind. Even though I would understand that they've made a change, it still, to me, January the 1st would feel like New Year's Day, and I'm sure a lot of people in France felt the exact same way about the switch from the Julian calendar. Well, for a few years after this switch, where people were still celebrating New Year's Day on April the 1st, it sort of got to be fashionable to sort of poke fun at those people. They were called April's Fools. It was less about the people celebrating April the 1st as being the tricksters, as just kind of everybody else sort of looking at those people as behind the times and and foolish. And we see that even today, you know, when the new thing comes out and people that are still hanging on to the old ways, it, there's a lot of people that just feel very superior to them just because, you know, oh, nobody does that anymore. That's just so out of fashion. And, you know, a lot of our a lot of our behavior is based on how can I make myself feel better than you? Yeah, that was It had a little bit of a mean-spirited bent to it because they were sort of poking fun at these people that were still going by the Julian calendar. And again, a lot of these people, it's not like they were 10 when this change was made. You had people that were in their 60s and 70s. They're not going to change what they think of the holidays and the the dates on the calendar just on, on a dime. They're not going to switch how they think about things. But this period in France is significant because this is where we begin to see the tradition of playing pranks come into the into the holiday. Now, again, this was not the people celebrating April Fool's were the ones doing the pranks. These were everybody else pulling pranks and jokes on the April's Fool's. Uh, One of the things that was popular was to place a paper fish on the back of someone celebrating the April 1st holiday. And this was called. Poisson d'Avril, April fish is what that translates to, Uh, was supposed to symbolize a young, easily caught fish, or in this context, it was a gullible person that would would fall for a, a prank very easily. Now, these traditions immigrated from France into Britain and the United Kingdom through the 18th century. In Scotland, it actually became quite a big deal. It became a two day event. The first day event started with the hunting of the gawk. Now, gawk was a Scottish slang for a cuckoo bird. It was also a symbol for a very foolish person. Uh, Think of taking people on a snipe hunt 
when you go camping now. It, basically just a, a, a pointless and unachievable errand that you would try to send people on. Uh, but the second day was called Tally Day, which involved pinning like fake tails or kick me signs on people's derrieres. And it's very specific that you were trying to pin it on the butt of the person that you're trying to play the prank on. Now, I wonder if that is where the term butt of the joke originated. I'll have to do a little reading on that. But it's kind of a oddly specific thing that that's what you were trying to do on April Fool's Day. But, of course, uh, with the Industrial Revolution and just the huge mass exodus of people out of Europe into the United States, all those traditions came with them. and. Again, we're not really sure how exactly it got started, but that is the main theories of how April Fool's Day became such a a major day in America. And again, I just feel like it's kind of odd that we know so little about some very basic things like this. Or at least I always kind of feel like, you know, you've got all these historians and people that are tracing things. And of course, we've had a written record for four or five thousand years of our history at this point. It seems like people would be able to track this stuff down a lot better than what we can. It's surprising the things that we don't know. Of course, I mean, just a spring equinox celebration, that was probably just such a piece of everyday life for many cultures. People just didn't think about writing this stuff down. You know, it's just kind of a kind of part of life. You don't really think about it, but. But I hope everyone had a good April Fool's Day. Again, it's just, it's not an official holiday, but we're all excited to see it come. I think it's more for the fact that the cold months are over, we're getting ready to head into summer, and everybody's just in a really good mood, and things are looking up, just weather-wise and and activity-wise, everybody's just kind of excited to get out of the house and get rid of the winter weather and be able to enjoy themselves a little bit again. Uh, I personally do not participate in April Fool's Day pranks. I just don't really spend the time. Mostly what you see now is, you know, there's a lot of companies that will put out press releases on April Fool's Day and try to try to trick people into believing that they're getting ready to do something crazy. Uh, the problem is a lot of businesses do crazy stuff all the time. And most people, or at least I do, when you read something on April Fool's Day, I take everything with a grain of salt. Most attempts at April Fool's Day by individuals are, are pretty low effort. My wife was watching TikTok last night, and she was watching a video where a guy had his girlfriend at, I think it was McDonald's, and he handed her her drink, and she took a drink, said it didn't taste good. And he he said she asked for a Coke, and he got her a Diet Coke. And I was like, wow, I, get, I bet you were, you were laying awake at night for months trying to put together the nuances of that one, weren't you, buddy? And you could say that that was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, and it wasn't anything he planned, but he did think enough of it to record it and upload it onto TikTok. So I guess what I'm saying here is if you're going to do a April Fool's Day prank, please put a little thought into it. Make an effort. Don't mail it in. If you're, if you're going to do something, take the time. Do it right. Be original, because there are bad jokes, and everybody tells bad jokes every once in a while, but that was just lame. If the best you can do is lame, you shouldn't really be trying. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please leave me a like and a comment. And as always, a subscription to the show would be greatly appreciated. You can leave me a comment at the Fresh Frozen Southerner at gmail.com or at the Fresh Frozen Southerner Facebook page. All right, guys, as always, I appreciate you listening and sitting with me for this long. I hope everybody's having a good weekend, and we will talk again very soon. Thank you very much.